you can persevere regardless. You can, no matter what is placed by man, you can overcome that because they, man is really not in charge of you. We work together, we live together because we're on this earth together, but ultimately there's something bigger than all of us that we respond to. On this episode of The Creator Community, we'll meet Cleola Davis, a retired army officer who learned the hard way that some people simply don't wanna see others succeed. We'll hear Cleola's journey of learning extraordinary lessons growing up that drove success for her and where she hit a mysterious wall in her career that she simply had to overcome. We'll hear what it's like to go to war and how the army prepares soldiers for just that moment. And we'll find out Cleola feels the army is a great institution, but it does have its flaws and she wants to fix them. We'll also learn how Cleola became a servant leader and how being humble is simply part of her person. We'll also hear Cleola's journey that led her to publishing her new book, Forged in Battle, African-American Officers Serving in the United States Army. Check out the show. Welcome to the Creator Community. This is a podcast from book publisher, New Degree Press or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,500 published authors from six continents and has earned the 293rd spot on the Inc. 5000 list. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. If you've ever thought of writing a book but weren't sure where to start or how to finish, visit creator.institute to learn more about this fall's coming up cohort. This is episode five of season five, and today I have with me, Cleola Davis. Cleola is a native of Raleigh, North Carolina. She was commissioned in the United States Army through the ROTC program at North Carolina A&T State University, where she was a distinguished military graduate and the recipient of the General Douglas MacArthur Leadership Award. She served 22 years in the military before retiring at the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, and she has a life affiliation with the AME Church. Cleola, great to see you. Thank you for your service, and welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Thank you for your service. And I'm so glad to be here. Oh, my goodness. When I hear you reading about me, it's hard to believe that it's me. But I guess it is. Most people ask if I'm a teacher. Some For some reason, I come across as that. But actually, I'm a leader. And thank you. Thank you, New Degree Press and you, John, for having me on this podcast. You are too kind. And it's been so fun to be a little play, a little part in your journey and watch you grow and evolve through this whole thing. So, you know, before we get into your book, Cleola, I think it's always interesting to just hear a bit about people's journey. You know, what was your career like and what led you to, to this book? Well, you know, my career was fantastic. And I'm glad you asked about that because the book actually starts when I'm a captain. Uh, to be honest with you, it starts with a friend of mine, Jim Jones, when he was a lieutenant in Vietnam in 1967. And from there, it segues into my journey as an officer in the Army coming in. I was a lieutenant out of A&T, but it starts with me taking command as a captain. My career was fabulous. I had the best soldiers. I had the best career. I loved the military. And I think in the book, I even referenced that it was the love affair was almost like an abusive husband. (laughs) So... I loved it. I didn't want to let go. But at the same time, I don't think he wanted me anymore. So that's why I moved on. 
I had a great career, ended up with a Bronze Star War Award, which is pretty high, admired by a lot of people. My family was very impressed, my community. But still, there was a book in me, Forced in Battle, which is, I guess, I want to say the true stories, even though what I'm saying is true about my love, then there was the truth behind the truth. So that's what the book is about. Your love of the military? I love the military and then the abusive husband behind it. <laughs> How about that? Well, I'm very sorry that you had to live through that. And you, you know, yeah. you talk about your personal journey a little bit, right? With relationships. You know, what 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 happened there? What 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 do you talk about in the book there? Well, I start with chapter one, which is Gallant Under Fire. And it really is about Mr. Jones. And the reason why I start with that chapter is because in his first chapter, it's a synopsis of what's going to happen the next 19 chapters as I go from a captain on up to the rank of lieutenant colonel and eventually decide the military is my, at least for me, but I need to move on to get out. The title of the book says a lot, Forged in Battle. And I chose the words, it really came off the top of my head, John. Forge, something that's burned, fired until it's changed, but usually it's refined. You know, all of the impurities come out. And then battle is something that you do back and forth with, with an adversary or something that you, you know, you want to go there and they won't let you get there. So you kind of battle with that. It, it really indicates what it was like. And then African-American officers I use two protagonists, myself and Mr. James Jones, who everybody's going to be in love with. But there are so many other officers that are involved in our walk. So you'll be able to judge how we led, what we led, whether or not you think we made the right decisions. The book is different in that way that the reader can is actually in the seat next to me and they can say, well, I wouldn't have done that. Or why did she do that? So it's not just me whitewashing myself like everything I did was great and I'm a hero. It's this is what I thought and felt at the time. And this is why I made those decisions. I love that concept of trying to bring the reader in to make them feel like they're sitting next to you. And to me, that's what makes a book great. When you see the the, the picture of the car you're in, the place that you're standing, the, the feelings that you're feeling. And I love that you're leaving it open-ended to let the reader decide, you know, gosh, was this a good choice? Was it not? And what a brilliant way to set it up. So you've had this really interesting journey in life. You spent time in the service. You served our country so well. How did this author program land on your radar screen? And, you know, how did you kind of fit it in and make it all work? Well, to be honest with you, I used to ask myself the same question once I started. But one of my friends who was in the military with me was in the program. And when she got through the first part of it, she contacted me and said, Cleola, I'm in this most fantastic program. You have to you have to join it because over the years we talked about so many different books, so many different experiences that we had shared together that would be wonderful for someone to read. So actually, a person who was a part of the program introduced me to the program and I love it. The rest is history. I'm here with you today, a star. <laughs> so you were a, a referral to the program from an existing person, a very common way for people to enter the program, having friends, family, 
colleagues that went through it and tell others about it. That is awesome. So what was the journey like for you? What did it feel like going into saying, I have this idea for a book. How the heck do I take this idea in my brain and turn it into a published book? What was that journey like for you? How did it, what made it work? It was two or three phases. To be honest with you, I have notes from my military service. I have, I keep everything. I'm not going to say I'm a pack rat, but I really, as I said, I enjoyed what I did. So I have a lot of notes. The other was I have my good friend, James Jones, and I used to talk a lot. We talk a lot about politics. The next step, I saw Mr. George Floyd die. And a lot of the experiences that I had suppressed came out. A lot of, I, I don't know why seeing him die brought up all or a lot of what I had suppressed while I was in the military and subsequent to that, but it did. And I called my friend, Mr. Jones, who, as I said, is a retired officer. When he started talking about his experiences, I started writing. I started writing his experience first. And then I started talking to him and started writing mine. So the book came easy after that. Once I was contacted by my friend, I had a lot of notes. I never considered myself a person with post-traumatic stress, but I guess I did. And once everything came back to the surface, I knew I did. And I started writing and writing. I threw everything at them, everything, John, every feeling, every thought I wrote. I want to say I had 70,000 words by the time we were first greenlighted. And I still had more to write. But it wow. wasn't a book. It wasn't a book yet. My but MRE made it a book. That's I awesome. And hard not to be shaken by the George Floyd tragedy. I mean, holy cow. And I mean, sorry that that had to be the trigger to get you to do this, but I guess, you know, it's it certainly, I'm glad you turned it into something positive in this book and, and helped you to get out and share your story. And so as you went through that journey and wrote these words and worked through your editor, you came up with this book, Forged in Battle, African-American officers serving in the United States Army. So what's it about? Okay. Well, as I said, two protagonists, myself and Mr. Jones, I it said our African-American officers, because as we go through our experiences, there are other officers in the book. Uh, I'm going to let the reader determine which ones are African-American and which ones aren't. I purposely did not label everybody African-American, Latino, white, or whatever. I let the, the book kind of flow to see the human part of what we were going through. And forced in battle is just that. It's a human experience. A girl like myself that grew up in this house, because this is really my parents' house, not my home, was a debutante, was, went through, did everything right, went right through high school to college, became a military officer and entered the military thinking that this was going to be a success. As you said, I had a Douglas MacArthur Leadership Award come out of ROTC. Everybody expected great things of me from the time I was a child up. This was post-civil rights movement, so there was no reason to think that there was going to be any encounter with them discrimination. And then my dad, who was in the book, constantly drilled into us when we were growing up, meaning my siblings and myself, that we were supposed to be the best, always get up first, always work hard. And that was just in me. So the book is really about that experience 
me being a young lady going into the army with my expectations and my goals to become a leader. That is awesome. And really a, a, a great celebration of your father there who helped build these values, these virtues into you and, and got you on this path early on. And then you found yourself an officer in the military and you know, winning awards. That is fantastic. Congratulations. So the book spans over 30 years in two wars, right? Vietnam and Desert Storm. What's the what's the connection there you want listeners to know about? That's the sad thing, John. The connection is injustice. As I said, once Mr. Jones started telling me his his experience, it kind of bled over into my similar experiences and also the commonness of Mr. Floyd's death. So Mr. Mr. Jones was in Vietnam. And as I said, it starts in 1967. I don't go into combat until 1990. So basically what we're saying is little has changed when he shares his experience. And I tell mine in the army to fix these problems during that span. So within 30 years, the same problems exist. And Please share what what are the problems specifically that you're talking about? So we were talking about injustice. I don't want to get into details of the book, but it's it's so much that comes out of it. I really believe that anyone who's ever been in a situation where they know they have been treated in a disparate way will identify with the human experiences that myself and Mr. Jones have in the book. And then what's really important is, as I said, it is written so that anyone can read it and say, I get it. I get what she's saying or I don't get what she's saying. Either way is fine with me or either in the in the small synopsis of Mr. Jones. Wow. Why did this happen to him? Or it should have happened to him. You understand? So it's written so everyone can grow out of the book. It is a book where I believe there's a great deal of injustice. There's disparate treatment. There's even abuse. But the reader will be able to come to their own conclusion and say, well, it wasn't abuse. You deserve that. And I wanted it that way. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there an example of injustice in the book, that you, a story you'd like to share with our listeners? Wow. There's so many examples that I feel are unjust in the book, but what I will share with our listeners, with our listeners is, let's see, maybe an example that I don't have in the book, because unfortunately, the book had to be a certain number of pages. And as I told you, I started at 70,000. So, I mean, it was just a situation where, without sounding like a crybaby, because I don't want to sound that way. I'm in in a position where I should be moved to another position, a position of higher rank or higher opportunity. And instead of me being moved there, now this is not in the book. This is actually something that happened to me when I was a lieutenant. I was removed from the unit. So I went to my commander, asked if I could get a better position. And instead of them moving me to a better position, they moved me out of the unit into another unit. And the position I was put in in the new unit was not one that was going to progress me as a logistician, which is what I am. So I had to make the best of it. 
I stayed in that in that job for about 18 months, got stellar report, two or three awards, and moved on to a harder job in Korea, which put me back on track. But just little things like that, when if there was no re I was a brand new lieutenant, there was no reason for them to do that, but they felt justified in doing it. And you feel there was an ulterior motive there. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, surely they didn't. They moved me out of a logistics company and put me in a company. I'm a second lieutenant <laughs> that is not logistics. So there wasn't going to be a way for me to compete for the jobs that other lieutenants get as a as a logistics officer. So I, it kind of was a dead end. And then this is something I realized, John, when I wrote the book, when I was writing the book, when I started writing, I threw everything in there. I wrote it from the perspective of a person who's gone through the experience. So I could say up front, oh, this is what they did to me when I was a second lieutenant, right? But when I go back to how I felt when I was a second lieutenant, I didn't see anything wrong with it. It wasn't until I became a more senior officer that I saw that what they were doing was putting me on a path to end my career or to slow it down. Wow. I know. <laughs> why, were, why were they trying to end your career so early? What was going on there, you think? I came in the Army in 1983. I'm so glad you asked that. The Army, WAC, the WAC Corps, Army Women's Auxiliary Corps, ended in 1979. So the women that came in 1979, 1980, like up to 83 and above, beyond, we were the first women to come into the Army as soldiers before People came into the army, they served, and they did a great job. They were wax. So my first job in Texas, we were the first women in my branch, in the different branches of logistics. My branch at that time was ordnance, and my soldiers were mechanics. So at that time, women were new to that branch, period. So there was a lot of adjustment going around for the people who were in the system already that knew how it worked, that were used to being all male. Now for people like myself, we didn't know any better. We didn't know any difference. So when I walked in, I just wanted equal treatment. I didn't know oh, before I got here, only men did this. <laughs> so most of us came in innocent. Innocent with your values of working hard, delivering excellence. Right. It sounds to me, Cleola, now knowing you a little bit, that maybe there was a little bit of intimidation here. They were thinking, "Who's this person here that's making me not look like I'm as good at my job as I thought I might, I, as I thought I was." It, you know, I want the as readers of the book to come to that, to come to their conclusion about that. You know, whether or not I did the best I could or not, but I put it out there for you, John, and anyone else to be able to judge that. I really did. I did come from a great background and I am not intimidated easily. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I definitely get that sense from you. <laughs> I laugh it off or either I'll just keep my mouth shut. You know, I love how, you're, how you've taken this approach to the book of yeah. letting people come to their own conclusions. And really, that's a vulnerable choice. You're really yeah. putting yourself out there to say, I don't have all the answers. I want to, here's what I did. And I want you to decide. So yes. Where do you think that mindset for you comes from? Well, I, I'm not a person who just thinks of myself. 
So, I mean, I don't see myself as something so great. Oh, look at me. I know when people say thank you for your service, I'm supposed to be polite and I am courteous and say thank you. But I almost I also may say to you and thank you for your service, because as a people, we all need each other. Today, I need you to do this for me. So I, I thank you. For me, it was a job. It was a career. It was just happened to be a career that I loved and it was a career that served the country. And that's how I looked at it. I didn't look at myself as a special person, but I didn't look at myself as second nature either. You know, well, I really appreciate that perspective. And, and but in this work, this service that you provided, it, it sent you to war. Mm-hmm. And right. Not many people as a percentage of the population actually ever had that experience. So what what was war like? Were you afraid? What was that experience like for you? Well, I was never afraid. And it has to do, as you said, with my upbringing. It also has to do with the great officers that trained me before. I had a lot of training in the field. I had gone to the desert numerous times training at the NTC in California. I felt confident at the time I was a company commander. I had a lot of people under me, about 200 people. And then it went over that as as They put extra people in to help us out. And I didn't have time to think about my own personal fear because we really had a job to do. And that was what we had trained for. So if you can imagine, I don't know you do it. Every job does it. They start you off at a low level. You train and you're training to get to the next high level. The whole purpose of the military is to fight the nation's wars. So when they call you to war, what's there to be afraid of? That is really your purpose. And that's exactly how I looked at it. My people meant everything. My people and performing my duty. What a power, a simple yet powerful explanation of of how officers, military folks think about their lives. And, uh, you know, it's hard for, I think, many of us to imagine that because we just haven't had that experience. But the structure, the guidance, the coaching that you received along the way and from the leaders sounds like it was really helped move you along and, and help deal with these things and realizing, helping you realize this is what we've been training for this whole time. So it's, you know, dare I say an obvious outcome or an obvious conclusion to, or an obvious place to end up because that's what we've been training for. And that's what this is about. Interesting. You know, I also understand, right. You know, you have a very strong affiliation with your church. You know, yes. how does your church affiliation relate to this experience for you? Well, you'll see in the book, it really the foundation of everything is the church with me. I grew up in a very strong church, great church mothers. And I think that's part of my confidence comes from that. My whole community was always positive towards children and always told us that we were going to do great things. So I never had in my mind that I would ever fail at anything. There's a great deal of prayer in the book. uh, And that's why I think some, some of my explanations, I say it's diverse because people of faith will love it. I really get through my day. I still do in prayer. So it didn't stop when I went to war. So it sounds like you've had some very powerful values and guidance all across your life through your upbringing and, and the church and your father and your time in the military. And it's really helped you become this 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 person that became forged in battle, as, as the book title suggests. You know, when you, when you think about the book, Cleola, what, what do you think... You know, what, what are readers, what are they going to learn from your book? Well, they're going to learn that you can succeed 
you can persevere regardless. You can, no matter what is placed by man, you can overcome that because they, man is really not in charge of you. We work together, we live together because we're on this earth together, but ultimately there's something bigger than all of us that we respond to. And I don't mean that in a silly way. I mean, actually you have something to do, train yourself in it, be confident, and you will get through whatever situation. You will get through forging, you will get through battling, you will get through whatever is confronts you. You will persevere and you will get where you're supposed to be regardless of where you think you're supposed to be. I love that. You know, perseverance, but built on training or what I might call lifelong learning, right? Continuing to grow, continue to hone your craft, whatever it is. And so pretty interesting and universal message there, but also a pretty extreme one that you were training to go to war, which is, I mean, again, for people like me, hard to really even imagine going into those circumstances. You You can do it. You could, John, you could do it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I, I've broken a few bones, crashed my bike, you know, so I've, <laughs> that's as close as I might, might have come to war. Would you, you know, so you're in the army all these years, you learned all these lessons. Would you recommend the army to other people at this stage after these experiences you've had? I would. I think the only way to fix what I point out in the book, what I think are issues in the book, is to have more people go in and demand that we fix the foundation of it. Because it's just like our, our system of government. We have a great document that governs the country. If we don't go by the document, then too bad on us. That's why we fail. It's not the document that fails. It's how we apply the document to different things. And that's what it is with the Army. As I said, I love it. I love the army. I love soldiering. I love the PT and running and the excitement of the soldiers and even even the sound of the guns in combat. I loved soldiering. But there are parts that need to be fixed. And through my experiences, those of Mr. Jones and my other friends who I did not name in the book, but they are in there. They have names, just their names, not their real names. You'll see what I'm talking about. And I do have to mention also, I say it's officers, but I also talk a lot about my non-commissioned officers. And specifically, one non-commissioned officer is named by name. His name is Sergeant Major White, who was my last Sergeant Major. And these are real people still alive. They talk to me. So we are all forced in battle. <laughs> and how did you decide to use Sergeant White's name versus and not use some others? He said, use my name. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to be in the story. Well, thank you, Sergeant yes. White. Yes, yes, Sergeant Major. Yes. So you talked about all this writing you did, 70,000 words when a book, there tends to be maybe 40 to 50,000 words, give or take. So you, you know, had this extra content. Many times by just simply writing or even journaling, we can learn a lot about our experiences and ourselves. You know, what do you think you learned about yourself along the way through this writing journey? Well, I can tell you it was cathartic because the first thing I learned when I start writing it is that I had post-traumatic stress. <laughs> that wow. I didn't hide that. Every time someone would say, well, do you have it? Oh, no, not, no, uh-uh. Because I thought it was some type of mental disorder. I said, no, I don't have that. 
but actually talking about the story, writing the story, tears would come back to my eyes. I said, well, I guess I do have stress from it. I guess I, guess I have been suffering all these years carrying this weight, even though I suppressed it. Maybe I do have it. So it has made me a freer woman. It has made me a better person. The whole experience I can't describe as far as writing the book, meeting you, meeting others, my magnificent MRE, Miko Marsh. I can't say enough about that. I just can't. I I couldn't have done it without you. You know that. I know nothing about writing a book. I still don't. I still email you. I still email you for everything. So I, I just appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. I, I want to be humble in what I say because without everyone I mentioned and so many more, I would not have finished this book. And oh. now I'm proud to be one of you all students. You're, you're too kind. And it's been <laughs> just a pleasure to work with you over these many months and get to follow along a bit with your story. And I love that you know you describe this as a cathartic experience. And interestingly, it took writing this book to understand or help help you realize this self-discovery of, boy, I do have some post-traumatic stress disorder here and I have to deal with it and, and figure out a better way. And yes. I mean, pretty amazing that it it took this, that this book was able to help you do that. I can tell you my book, which is nonfiction leadership innovation book. It was amazing how much it's hard to believe that uh, sometimes hard to believe maybe that a book like that could help you have a similar experience. And it very much happened for me. There were some moments that really hit me hard writing about my book and experiences I had. So from a, it's just really amazing for me what I often hear people, myself included, think and learn about themselves and what how they've dealt with things over time by just a simple act of writing the book and putting this structure and process around it and having the coaching and guidance to get it done. I love that you said that. I love you that you said that because someone like yourself who writes about leadership will love the book. And what you're saying is just what I love to hear when my beta readers were reading it and they said, you know, I I worked in the school system, but I know what you're talking about. That's exactly what I want to happen. So thank you for saying that. You always say the right thing. (laughs) You're too kind. You're too kind. And for maybe those who don't know, beta readers, part of the process is getting your book into the hands of people that read it early on. That's what a beta reader is for those who may not know. And they give you feedback and you take that feedback to refine your book. And it sounds like you had a great experience with that. I know I certainly did. And it makes the book better, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what would what has been just going through the journey of writing the book and and coming across these stories and meeting all these new people? What's something that really, what's a highlight for you that came out of this? An unexpected positive from writing your book? One unexpected positive. Oh, meeting some of the other authors. They have been inspirational to me, seeing the success of the program through their eyes, seeing their books become successful. I think I just get excited about that. We were talking about one of the authors just before who has gone to Africa now because of her book. And I mean, I feel that I'm on her journey also. So I'm forced in battle, but I'm also a a diva in wildlife with wildlife so many other people, my other friend who was an author who wrote about sisterhood, you know, she was writing about all of us and her parents and her mom and how close they are. So, I mean, one person I knew since I was a lieutenant, the other person I met through this program, just like I met you, 
And I feel both of them as sisters and also the author community that has been developed. I talk with some people at bookstores. When I tell people I wrote a book, they treat me like they say, thank you for your service when I'm in the military. Oh, you're an author? So, I mean, I have a new credit to my my resume. I am so excited. I really love your approach to life, Cleola, which is very humble, always thinking of others, serving them first. And, and I really appreciate that attitude and this going in, not thinking that you know everything, right? And you very much took that approach. It's certainly been my approach to life. And people that take that approach to, the, to, to this author coaching program tend to do better, right? Some people come in and they say, oh, I have this book to write and this is exactly what it's going to look like. And that rigid mindset, I don't think, certainly doesn't work very well here. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that works in a lot of aspects of our lives. And of course, I, I need to say her name out loud. The author you're referring to is Lisa Randolph, author of The Wildlife Divas Adventure Team. And so that's the diva. That's the diva club that Cleola is referring to. I, I'm now an honorary diva, by the way, after we went to Africa. <laughs> after we went to Africa together, <laughs> she, Lisa made me an honorary diva. <laughs> we'll make you a diva. <laughs> oh, there we go. I like that better. So. Forged in battle, Cleola, what's the key message that you want the world to know about your book? What, what are they going to get to? What are they going to learn? Or what's the key message they're going to take away? I think we talked about that. Perseverance is one. Strong Christian roots. Believing in yourself and not letting people just dis- distract you from where you're supposed to go in life. And then accept the fact that you're where you're supposed to be. I don't know if you're familiar with the book with the movie, The Matrix. Sure. I love that movie. There's a point where in the first movie, Neo is fighting the the viruses, right? But we don't know it. They call them the Smiths. But eventually we find out that they are virus and he's fighting them with all his might. At the end of that, that movie, the virus kills Neo. And when he stands back up, instead of moving fast like he was, he just moves his arms subtly. He moves his head a little bit and everything they throw at him misses. And that's the experience I went through in the book. I got to the point that I stood up and there was nothing coming at me that I couldn't just do like that or move like that. And it went past. That is such an awesome analogy you just made for the book writing journey. You entered the matrix, if you will. I entered the matrix. Are you secretly the oracle? Are you the oracle? You can tell me. I was Uh, Neo. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. And, you know, I I never thought about it that way. The way I often describe it, because many times I've had these discussions many, many times with authors over the journey, because they get frustrated. There's a lot coming at you. There's all these moving pieces. And you know, it's not a journey most people have been on. And many authors here are first-time authors. So it's all very clunky, it feels like at first. And I often try to explain to them, that moment is going to arrive for you where you start to, where you can't wait to get back to your desk to write again. And it, it's once you get, right, because it starts out, the book is sort of diverging. You're learning, what's this book about? And it kind of goes wider and wider. And that feels a little chaotic. And as we go through the process, we get the introduction written, we get the chapter layout set up, then we start to move towards this convergence. And I think I think that's what I'm hearing here is that's when you entered the matrix, once you got past those points. And then you can't help but go and write. When I wrote my book, every time I sat down on the couch during that year or so, all I could think about was like, why am I not writing right now? And once I got to that matrix point, as you describe it, so I love that analogy. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. So now you've got this book coming out September 2022, Cleola. What's next for you? What are your what are your big goals for this thing? 
Well, goes for the book? Yeah, and yourself. I really, look, John, how many books have, how many movies have you seen with a protagonist like me, who's a military officer, who's telling her story? I mean, I would love to see my book go as far as it can, as far as being examples for other officers. And regardless of gender, it doesn't matter. You'll see yourself in here. I would also like for some of the things that I think are problems, if there's a consensus that that is a problem, that the Army tried to fix the problem, please fix it. Because it doesn't do any good to put a whole lot of things in writing just so I can be Cleola Davis' author. It really should be for a wider good. And it can be. I think if the right people read it, it would be for, for a wider good. And I think the book celebrates so many other people that you see as characters in here who are just outstanding people, period, that need to be recognized. So what do I want to do next? <sighs> I don't know. I think, already, I think I heard a movie in there somewhere. Did I hear that? I, I, love, I wouldn't be in the movie, of course. I'm too old to be me. <laughs> but I would love to see this, this book become a movie or a series. Because, of course, in 204 pages, you're only getting a synopsis of what was really going on. And as I said, I've cut. I didn't tell you, but the first seven chapters, my MRE said, what is this? So within our first meeting, they were gone. And we focused on my my right captain forward. So I would like to see that. And then also, as I said, I'd like to see it help, help fix some of the problems that I know exist in, in the Army. Well, what a, a powerful mission that you're on to help others, to help improve the military, to make it a, a better force for good in the world and to help other people have better experiences in it. That is awesome. Cleo, if people want to learn more about you and your book, where, where can they go do that? Oh, I'm on Facebook. You can't miss me. Cleola Davis is a very unique name. But if you see one of those other eight Cleola Davises, you can just type in A&T and that will be me. I'm wearing my Stetson and I think I have the captain rank on there, which is very familiar to the when you read the book. You'll see why that's on there. I'm also Cleola Davis on Instagram and I am C-Marie-Davis on Twitter. Enter myself every day to talk to friends that I can't reach out to on one platform or the other. Oh yeah, and you can reach me because I started a Gmail just for the book, Forged in Battle 2022 at gmail.com. So you can email me directly. And they could reach out to you to learn more about your book, to learn more about you, uh, get on your email list. Are you sending regular updates out on your email as well? I am. I had to go the email route because I'm not that great technically, but we're not going to let that stop us. So I just started an email <laughs> with all the people like me who were not on social media, but, and we can continue to communicate. So yes, I do. They were very pleased to see the cover of the book. 
the cover turned out wonderfully. How did that cover design come together? It looks great. I can't take a lot of credit for it. Actually, New Degree Press sent me three options. If I had selected the book, if I had selected the cover, they said, Davis, you check. You choose the cover. It would have been a black cover with white words, forged in battle, African-American officers serving the United States Army, and probably a little red flag or something. That's me, okay? But the designers, I don't know how they picked up on what the book should be like. They sent me those three beautiful choices. One had a young lady that wasn't too dissimilar from the way I looked. When I passed it out for my supporters to look at, my sergeant major, who I respect to this day, said, this woman looks like a baby. And we don't, I don't think you should go with that. He said, I'd rather see you with a black background. So New Degree Press put my face in there. How they did, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But a designer put my face in there. So everyone is satisfied. The dog tags on the back. I also had some people said they wanted the dog tags on there. I'm a leader. I have those awesome soldiers behind me, the cavalry and a helicopter. I'm thrilled. So that's how the book came, the, the picture itself came about. I can't take credit for it. The designers did that. Yeah, well, I love that you helped paint the picture for listeners, which is right. It, it a little bit more to the story, which is there are a number of exercises you go through before those three design ideas come up to help give the design team some ideas of what you're thinking about. And then, as you said, shared shared it with some of your beta readers to get engagement and feedback. And that's how it continues to fine tune. It's very much what this process is about. You know, build, measure, learn, kind of like lean startup in many ways. So sounds like a fantastic book coming out this September. Looks like you and I aren't the only ones that like it. I have a great quote here I want to share with our listeners about the book. An honest, searing critique of discrimination within the Army while remaining respectful respectful to the institution. U.S. Army Sergeant Major uh, Harry White retired. Wow. What was it like to get that quote from Sergeant White? He, that, that quote is exactly what the book is about. Because, as I said, this is my love. I love the Army. I certainly don't want to tear it down. But at the same time, it has some problems that need to be fixed. We're going to point those out, but still there's love there. So it was just so perfect the way he said it. That's why he's a sergeant major. That's all I have to say. That is why he is a sergeant major. Well done, sergeant major. Well, what a fantastic story, Cleola. Cleola's book, Forged in Battle, African-American Officers Serving in the United States Army, will be available this fall, September 22, wherever you buy books online. Cleola, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for your service to this country, and congratulations on your new book. Thank you, John. Thank you, New Degree Press. Thank you, all of the People's Creators Institute. Thank you for what you did. You have really changed my life. You are too kind. And it's really, really been a pleasure to work with you. I really mean that. And so excited for you and what's to come. And hopefully a movie, Forged in Battle or series coming out in the months and years to come. Let's Uh, do it. Let's do it. Don't forget to subscribe to the Creator Community channel on your favorite podcast platform. If you enjoyed this episode, please share a review. And if you're ready to write your book, visit creator.institute to learn more about the fall cohort. I'm your host of the Creator Community, John Saunders. Keep creating. Keep creating.